And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt is joined by Hugo Ferreira, singer-songwriter for the seasoned post-grunge band Tantric. From a unique background, the Portuguese-American African-born Hugo discusses his relationship with the band, their breakup, their reformation, and of course their latest record, Blue Room Archives. The album is a compilation of their varied hits, including acoustic versions of Breakdown and Morning, but also featuring their new single, Cynical. Hugo also discusses his passion as a songwriter, having made it his sole pastime, stepping in with thoughts on the state of the music industry, the state of the country, and the impact of fan support. Due to a poor phone connection, we do apologize for the sound quality near the beginning of the interview, but ensure that it clears up as the interview goes on. So now here's presenting Matt Storm and Hugo Ferreira. This is Hugo. What's up? Hey, man. How are you? Uh, I'm a T-Mobile customer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks for agreeing to do the interview. I appreciate it. Oh, that's no problem, man. No problem. I appreciate that you even care enough to want to do one. Oh, of course I do. I've been listening to you guys since 2001. Since the first album came out. So, uh, ah. it's my honor to be able to, to, uh, interview you. Uh, the song that hooked me was Breakdown. I heard it on the radio and fell in love with that record from the minute I heard that song. And I've been following you guys since, and I'm very glad that you have a new record out and another new record coming out actually very soon too so i probably have about 30 records written <laughs> wow well then that should keep you busy for a while i guess yeah i mean i i just that's all i do is write well that's good at least you've got tons of material um so i know you've been on tour too recently um i got to speak with one of your tour mates uh jesse andrew from uh, emperors and elephants so now you were out yeah. with them for a while and uh are you, you're not still on tour with them, no, no? You're going on a different one, I think uh, I saw. I'm on a break. I did not talk to anybody there. Uh-huh. Um, I'm on a break. There was like a six-week break. But, uh, no, man, I'm still on a good band. I'm, you know, I'm glad to be out there. You know, I'm just enjoying my home for once. In a long, long time. And my toys, but I forget I own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. I the cars in like a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I love my cars. So I play my guitar, my dog. A lot of sacrifice. Well, yeah, I imagine tour life can get pretty stressful being out the road all the time. Yeah. It's just. Um, I've been, you know, I've been doing this for 22 years. Of this particular house that I own, I have probably lived in three months per year since I've owned it for 12 years. Wow. Uh, my cars have the most lowest mileage on them. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully, uh, 
you know, take. You cut out there for a sec, Hugo. Can you repeat that? I said, hopefully people start buying more records so I can take some bigger breaks to enjoy the most important thing in life, which is, you know, family, camaraderie. Sure. Yeah. Very family-oriented. So uh, tell me a little bit about um, the the brand new record that's coming out, the uh, the Blue Room Archives. I understand it's uh, it's unreleased songs mostly and some acoustic tracks. Man, it, it, it's so cool. I was signing the like booklets for it, and and imagine like you being me, like you know, an artist that has probably near a thousand recorded songs that ever released and you made a mixtape of all of the things that you just did for yourself with giving zero bucks together and it's really you know stuff from archives you know some are remixes some are it's like it goes from like Robin Trowers to like Nine Inch Nails meets Apex. <laughs> wow. Imagine like a mad scientist lab that you spend, you know, or I've spent probably 75% of my waking hours in. And I mean, for 37 channels, I wrote, recorded, played all the instruments for about 125 songs. And sometimes you forget that you even write them, you know? Right. And going back, I was just like sending the label, mostly out of fun, you know, like, hey, check out this thing I did. And they just, they were like, dude, we've got to put this out because you are absolutely nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, running tangents. So I think it's like courageously different and super cool because there is definitely something in there for everyone. You know, the remixes I did of Mind Control and Fall to the Ground are just crazy. I did this whole acoustic version of Morning, but it's uh, a very, very longer version. I did, I wrote, I put in six other songs in there that I had written. And and it, that's not even touching the pinnacle of stuff I had. And I have to applaud the label for having the balls to like try something like this, you know? Sure. Well, and it's great it's that you've got all this stuff. Did I lose you again, Hugo? Are you there? Yeah, there you go. You just came back. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I was like, it's not like I'm a child where, you know, you could just put anything out. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? It's like on the totem pole of relevance in at least the, uh, the pond that I swim in. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't consider myself, you know, just like super famous. You know, um, you know, I'm somewhat successful. I feel like my 
art is better than my career. <laughs> but um, but ultimately, you know, people normally do this when you know their you know labels allow this to happen. When it's like a band that's just like, hey, uh, Metallica, Radiohead is just putting out these B sides and C sides. And I'm just putting out like just absolute like I need Ritalin size. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, 37 channels before, which I wanted to talk about because um, what I really like about that record specifically, I mean, I like all the records that Tantric has done, but what I like about that one specifically is that it feels like a just like a rock and roll record. I mean, you know, it's a little heavier than your mainstream old school rock and roll, but it's more or less, you know, pretty, pretty much standard rock, which is what there isn't a lot of now these days. It's always some I'll kind of metal. What it is. It's like, um, and this doesn't even have to be, or it can be in the interviewer. You know, I'm telling you, just having a conversation, but when I was writing those songs, like, it was I it was for no other intention other than not having a therapist and emotionally just being just destroyed by things that had happened to me uh or around me, you know, mm-hmm. in that period. And it was probably one of, I mean, I lost myself in my house for over a year and a half with severe depression and just like a what the fuck uh, type of um, feeling. And uh, I was a very social person and I would just stay home and I would just write because... I, I I didn't know what the purpose of why I was writing it. But I guess, you know, it's like when you have an issue and you write a letter and then you don't send it, that type of thing. Right. It's like that. But, you know, I personally wish I never had to write any of those songs other than Mosquito, you know, which is a little bit because... Those songs were just such painful. They were like such painful, painful songs to write. I mean, you can't even imagine, you know. It was like uh, metaphorically like uh, a gun in one hand, a bottle in another, and hope somewhere uh, that I couldn't even see. And, you know, human emotions, especially with the artists, you know, we tend to be very emotional creatures, you know, uh, and I'm a Pisces on top of that. <laughs> oh my so, um, my, when that record came out, I didn't ever have any uh, regard for if it was even played on the radio, if what people would think, you know, I, I was just, 
I just wanted to tell somebody and that somebody was myself. And, you know, it just is what it is. But it's a very powerful and personal record. Well, and that comes through. I feel like anyone who writes that emotionally, as hard as it is, an audience that's faithful and understands music will understand that. I mean, I think that's why I connected because I've liked a lot of your records, but this honestly might be one of my favorites. And I think it's because I tend to connect more emotionally with music and like a lot of those songs, like you can just relate to, we can tell yeah, the pain that you're going through. Relatability is an important thing because then you don't feel so alone. Yeah. Uh, and you realize that people go through turmoil, but I never even thought I was going to get through that. And, you know, you know, sometimes you just sleep on it and sometimes it's better the next day, but it took a good year and a half for me to get out of that, you know, and you don't want to perform some of the songs. It's, it's hard. There's still songs I can't perform because, you know, it's, it's, they're just, I'll just choke up because I just know exactly where I was. Like, uh, lost the words. I don't know. I can't ever. It it was just such a painful song. And, you know, Girl in White and gosh, you know, it was just a painful record. But, um, you know, it was very Sylvia Plattish. Sure. (laughs) You know, but I think that anything that any art provokes emotion is good. But out of a thousand people that listen to any music, whether it be mine or anybody else's, uh, 30% love it, and then 1% actually. And I just wanted people to know how much pain I was in, you know, and, but I didn't want people to know that I wanted them to know. Sure. (laughs) That actually makes a lot of sense. It does though. You know, you you want, you want to vent, but you don't want people to see kind of a thing. Yeah. It's just like, you guys could just be in their body right now. You know, it was the worst thing ever. But, you know, out of all the set we have, you need Dusty Thumb. Um, the the next thing I wanted to ask was, so I know you're you're obviously a multi instrumentalist and you're a great singer and you've been doing this for a while. But when did you actually first start playing music? Or was it when you were very young? I don't remember being alive and not knowing how to play. Wow. So that long, <laughs> but. Um, you know, my, what I did was, I thought that it was just something that everybody did, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that I was good at it, you know, so as you mature, you know, you do appreciate finer wines and and I, I pride myself I consider myself a good musician and a good artist 
and, uh, you know, and I'm proud of that, you know? Yeah. And you should uh, be, you know, but I I always did it because I liked it, you know, but I'm a very contemplative person Mm -hmm. and, uh, my mind tends to wander and get the best of me sometimes, you know? Sure. You know, and, uh, you know, putting the basically score to a story is very important. Basically, that's what the album is. It's like a movie, but without visual, just lyrics. And under the lyrics is the score that creates the environment of the color of where the lyrics are coming from. That makes any sense. Oh, it, makes, it actually makes perfect sense. I, I besides the the one on one interview podcast that I do, I do an album review show, and uh, me and my co-host really, when we're looking for a complete album that really hits all the points, the important thing is that not only that it says something, but it says something cohesive, whether it's a narrative or just a compilation that's linked by sounds or by you know the score or whatever else. But that cohesiveness in a band and in an album is very important because you know it, it really pulls you in if you've got a solid album with yeah, with, with that narrative right about music because you the way that you listen to music and hear music is not the same way that the next person besides you does you know everybody uh sees and hears it differently because you know, you associate it automatically to uh, how you can relate it to yourself. So therefore, it makes it a unique experience to each person. But a lot of people just listen to it as, you know, like a fan in the background, you know? But, you know, I always tell people when they buy this record, uh, the 37 channels, and even, I mean, this next one, there's so much good stuff on there, but it's like, you know, buy it, but don't get in your car and put it in your CD player and play it. Uh, I would say the first time you listen to it, be in the mood to listen to it, smoke a joint, get a, <laughs> and be in the mindset where you're ready to get, you know, what is really in it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because if you don't go past skin deep, you know, you'll never really get how much further it can take you. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I always, ever, ever since I was young, I listened to music that way on a very detailed and and analytical level. And I never really understood how people just kind of put things on in the background because I'm so focused on the art that's around me that I Lyrics can't just hear. Are, are the most, they're, they're very, very important. And sure. then not being predictable, you know, yeah. it's still not doing stuff that's not predictable and it's got interest in, in the sonic aspect of it, but that it doesn't go over everybody's head. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask also, because I probably could guess the answer to this a little bit, but who would you say were your biggest influences as you were coming up and starting to play music? I mean, so many different ones, but 
you know, obviously Alice Hitchens was a big influence initially, but when I was young, I loved Billy Joel. I loved Frank Sinatra. I loved Gypsy Kings. I loved Robin Trowers. I loved tons of hip hop. I loved uh, Andrea Bocelli. But I think that my biggest influence really was my life and my family and life is got plenty to inspire you. Sure, yeah. You know, so I, I would say that I never, I've never, I can't tell you right now that I have a favorite band. Right. I'm more of a fan of songs than I am a fan of bands. You know? Okay. It's when you capture a perfect moment and, you know, it happens by accident, that's awesome. You know, because then they have their sound. But, you know, like, for example, like, don't feel very It's a great, great song. Yeah. But that was a moment that they caught, you know? And the rest of their stuff sounds like them, but that particular song, it was like a special moment. Sure. You know? Uh, it's about capturing being there with the net and the fishing pole to capture the moment. Sure, absolutely. And that is never planned and always accidental. Right. Um, so you said that since you're more of a song person, like a song at a moment person, is there a particular song right now that's like at the top of your list or a few songs? Uh, depends. I really like everything. I think a really good song on this new record. Uh, I think it all You know, I mean, they're just all vibes it's like which is your favorite roller coaster you know they're all have their moments some of them sometimes you want to do loop-de-loops other times you just you know like you go fast you know it's they're all fun depending on what you're feeling like that's yeah absolutely sometimes you're in the mood to watch comedy sometimes you're in the mood to watch the drama sure you're in the mood to watch the drama then certain songs are the best ones at that time. Yeah. Um, and you'd said before that obviously you spent a lot of time writing and recording music. It's apparent by the giant log of songs you've said that you've worked on. Um, do you have a pastime or a hobby that you do besides writing and recording music? Um, right now, I, my goal in life, I guess, would be to, number one, make sure that the people I love them are always okay. Yeah. Number two, get closer to finding the point of all this. <laughs> uh, and what the real truth of all of this is. 
And when I mean all of this, I mean all of this life, you know, in general. Mm-hmm. And and to create more balance. I mean, every decade of your life has great moments. And people, you know, in my 20s, I had great moments. 30s, I had great moments. Now that I'm 40, um, I'm having a great time being 40 um, because I'm enjoying what I saw other people enjoy, but didn't come naturally to me. I think, you know, the only thing that you can't learn is wisdom. Wisdom only comes with time. Yeah. Knowledge is something you can acquire. But I think that I have more wisdom you acquire, uh, the more questions you have without answers, but the more balance I guess you get, you know? Sure. You know, and to me, all I would really like to see happen is people give, people always associate me with breakdown. And I think that's a great song. Yeah. But I have written so many, many better songs. And I would really just, it would be nice to get a pat on the back and to get people to, you know, recognize what I do. Sure. But um, I feel like sometimes I get, I've gotten a short end of the stick on that. Um, you know, and then. Meanwhile, there's these, like, horrid bands at best, you know, just, and I just don't get it. But I would love to, one day people look back and, and hopefully while I'm still here to enjoy it, (laughs) um, and, you know, just give a fuck. I think, I think that's a wise, wise goal. Um, I can tell you because I have given more to this music than I've given. I don't have kids. I've never been married. Um, I've given more of my life to music than I've given to anything else in my life combined. And, um, you know, people just see you for that hour playing. And I wish that people just knew how much I sacrificed and how much when they were out, you know, having families, getting married and doing normal things, you know, how much of my life in that aspect is, you know, was completely just foregone because, you know, music was the only thing that was unconditionally loved by me and also loved me and, you know, never judged me. It was my... It was just me, you know? It's just the sonic version of my soul. 
I think I don't think I could have said that any better. I think that's a uh, a uh, a very good way of putting it, and I think it's an admirable goal to have um, to just you know want people to recognize your art. But I can definitely tell you that there are people who do because I do have friends and fans of my podcast who have submitted questions to ask you because they are fans, um, and I personally am a fan and appreciate what you do and they're out there even if you don't hear from them all yeah. the time they're definitely there and they no, definitely appreciate out it there, but they uh, it's just about if you like a cause that you believe in just telling your friends that you like a cause that you believe in and not supporting it allows that cause to die it's like do you love flowers i love flowers for example but if you don't eat those flowers, water, those flowers are going to die. Right. And the water is those people. You know what I'm saying? And I think that everybody in life metaphorically thinks that somebody else is going to water these flowers. And they're going to be there forever. But if more and more people who, quote-unquote, say they appreciate it, then why wouldn't they water the flower? <laughs> you know? So... If you do like it, why would you not support it? Sure, you know? of course. You know, I'm not a conversation piece. It's, it's you know, I guess the flower metaphor is probably the best one I can give you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, totally. I absolutely understand. Um, like, imagine if somebody just stopped taking care of Central Park. Wouldn't last you know, very long. Yeah, it would look like woods. But everybody loves Central Park, but everybody thinks that somebody else is going to take care of it. Sure. But it's people have an individual responsibility to create, to um, prolongate the things that are beautiful and sincere in this world. Sure, absolutely. My opinion. Yeah, and I, I, couldn't agree more. Um, I have a question from one of our uh, listeners to my podcast. He had asked, um, obviously, the, the Tantric 3 album was never released. And he's wondering if any of those songs will ever get an official release or will that just stay kind of on the side? No, it will eventually, but it's just, it's not on my priority list. Sure. I mean, most of it is out there. Mm -hmm. and it's just... You know, things always work out the way they're supposed to work out in no other way. You know, you can plan for everything. But, of course, I would like to see it out there. But I think it's one of the best records that the original incarnation ever made. Mm -hmm. And when the stars align, I'm sure it will be there. I think that's the best answer that Andrew could have hoped for, which is one of our listeners. The other um, fan question that I have is from my friend Scott, who uh, wants to know how you gained the confidence to reform the band again and again, since you had had issues, obviously, in the past. The, the band had gone its separate ways. What kept you going? Well, if you're a fish, it's not hard to gain confidence to stay a fish. You know what I'm saying? It, it is what I am. 
Mm-hmm. So regardless if I was succeeding at it and shit was happening around me, still wasn't changing the fact that I don't remember being alive and not knowing how to play music. Sure. You know, so regardless for the rest of my life, I'll always be a fish, you know, or, or that. So um, I have a really great supportive family. Mm-hmm. And I believe that you know, you're going to have to kill me before I give up. And in anything, um, I don't give up. I, if it takes a hundred thousand times for me to fall down, I will get back up and keep on going and try again and wipe the dust off my pants. And I have faith and that everything is going to be okay. But um, I remember when I was a kid, I was a little kid and, and you know, you'd get in like those fights after school sure. and people would, you know, I was a little guy, but people would stop, stop uh, you know, stop talking with me because, you know, I might have like a cast in my arm, but I would be like, no, I'm getting back up. Unless I'm unconscious, I'm going to fight. You're going to have to kill me before you see me give up on anything that I love or believe in. And I feel that when you give up on something that you love and believe in, true, you're already dead. You know? So, you know, that's just my philosophy. And it's not always not always so serious, you sure. know, sometimes you let, you know, let your hair down and just enjoy the simple things. But I am a very complicated, uh, philosopher, I would say poet and observation is something that I really enjoy or do without trying. I mean, I look at the world around us, you know, I guess for exactly what it is. Sure. And I do not understand <laughs> it. You know? Yeah. I, I have no idea how a neighborhood can get to, can get along together, but a world of humans and animals can't get along together. And I can't understand why in this world where there is plenty of food and money to go around, that the people that do have it wouldn't want to see. I think that every human being deserves to not be hungry, to have proper medical treatment, to be loved, to be cared for, to enjoy um, life. And I think a lot of people just watch um, programs on television and it's like for the price of a cup of coffee and they'll just go ahead and sign up to relieve some of their guilt. But nobody is doing shit to change 
the world that is spiraling out of control, um, both morally, ethically, you know, the integrity is just crazy. It's just the same shit, but just better executed lives. Um, I think the news is absolutely completely pointless. Might as well not even have it there. Right. You know, it's not even accurate. It's, it has nothing to do with news. It just has to do with money. And money is made out of paper. <laughs> and people just don't put things in perspective that I feel the, and people's priorities in general are very fucked up. Yeah, it's tough to make a difference Glo- when globally the people with power also have the money and they're not using it correctly. It hurts everybody else. Well, here's the thing. When you're when you're hungry and you're impoverished and some asshole next to you is a total moron who, you know, inherited this for whatever, that is no different than a pharaoh and a caste system that we judge now. Oh, back in the day, they were so barbaric. We're doing the same thing. It's just we're doing it with a suit and tie. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. We can go on to a philosophical conversation. But I'll tell you one thing. My father always told me, and my dad was, he was a great man, and he was the king of one-liners. He's like, when you don't know what to do, pick the hardest to do, and that's the right thing to do. And I kind of always followed that as much as possible, but also understand that when you do something for people, how they react to it doesn't change what you do for people. You know, I don't think the world... But I think everybody can change one or two people. If everybody just looked out for their neighbor, you know, and just gave a shit. And, you know, there wasn't so much bureaucracy and bullshit that everything would be a lot better. You know, it's sad that in the United States of America, there are 17 million children that are hungry 32 million adults, 50 million people are starving in the United States of America. Yeah. That's fucked up. It is. I agree. It's tough. And And on the other hand, Justin Bieber is making $300 million a year. (laughs) Yeah. It's the the extremes on both sides. Somebody else writes the songs for him. Yeah. It's, I just would like to create a giant bubble of people that actually have common sense and awareness and give a shit. So my advice to y'all Tantric fans, give a shit, (laughs) not only about Tantric, but in general, because I won't be here if they don't give a shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a product, and if they're, uh, and it's all based on money and the hierarchy of things. And if this product is not supported, 
then they will stop making that product, you know? Right. And then they'll be like, damn, I wish I, you know, hindsight is 2020. Always. It's always much easier to go. I wish I had done that thing that I didn't do instead of actually doing it. But yeah. I, th- I think your dad's words are very, very wise. And I like that. But Dude, my dad is an amazing, amazing man. Because, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, I pretty much started a website because I knew how difficult it would be in the new internet landscape to start something from scratch and push forward. But it seemed to make the yeah. most sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these reality shows that are just called rich kids and it's just so fucking ridiculous and so irresponsible to, uh, them not knowing how it affects younger people that, you know, they're like kids, you know, they, they think that. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be Kim Kardashian. <laughs> that is not. So, you know, yeah. it's like, that is not uh, necessarily a goal, you know? Well, I mean, I think that Kim is a nice person and, you know, I'm not here to judge, you know, anybody. But I think that there just needs to be a little bit more responsibility, integrity, morality, and uh, give a fuckness. I agree. I think we're very short on give a fuckness. And, you know, it's like when I was a kid, you wanted to grow up and be an astronaut or musician or, you know, a painter. Now people say they want to grow up and be famous. Famous wasn't a job. You know, it's still not a job, but people think it is because of reality TV and that garbage. Yeah, I mean, the only benefit of fame is what you could do with it. And generally, the people that are rich and famous don't do anything with it, except for buy more shit yeah. and then have other people pay for their weddings and make <laughs> more money and buy more shit. I mean, I, I don't care how much money I ever made. I would never pay $350,000 for a Rolls. Yeah. You know, I think it's an insult to poverty. I agree. I feel like I've always wanted to make enough money to survive and to live and to just be comfortable. My dad always said, buy what you need. Don't buy what you want. Yeah. You know, you still appreciate more things, but hopefully, you know, I am praying that this record inspires people to gain. And, and I hope that people know that how much I need them to support us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's important for, for fans forget sometimes because you have so much access to everything now because of the internet that they forget that people still need to be supported. People create this stuff because they want to, but also, you know, they need a way to be supported, whether it's coming out to see you and buying merchandise on tour or actually buying the record, you know, it's important. Yeah, because it's like, you know how fun it is to tour, but you know, how unfun it is to never be home, to never tell your, hug your mom or pet your dogs or, you know, it sucks after a while, you know? Sure. So, and then you just got to go out there and kill it. And then sometimes you work so hard and, you know, 
it just seems like it's just like, oh yeah, thank you for everything. Have a good day. Yeah. All right, downloaded every single record you ever released. I love that one. Yeah, I don't know why people. Say, first of all, you don't say that even if you've done it, but like, and if you I, do, I hear that so many times. I can't believe people actually tell you that. That's kind of ridiculous. So then again, people have no yeah. self awareness these but days. But people think I'm worth a hundred million dollars. You know. Right. Well, they have no. Everybody concept. thinks that if you're famous or semi-famous, that you shit out hundred dollar bills, but <laughs> it's not the case. No, definitely not. I think if you sh- were able to shit out $100 bills, your life would be much easier. Yeah, I would turn into a bank called, I don't know, something having to do with porthole. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you, Hugo, taking the time to chat with me. I'm sorry we had phone issues earlier on. but um, No problem. But it's been a wonderful talking to you. Um, I will let Shauna know, and she can let you know when... Um, the episode of the podcast goes up, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Um, as no problem, a f- man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, definitely I'm going to keep an eye out for that record and uh, check you out next time you're in New York on tour. I will. God bless you, and thank you for supporting My pleasure. Thank you, Hugo. Have a good night. You too. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.